so good to see you. I, uh, this, is a, this is really awesome. You guys are, not just because you stayed up past midnight in here, just here in general. Uh, I, was, I was told there wouldn't be hardly anybody here, but you proved everybody wrong. Amen. And it's, good to, it's good to see you this morning. Great to be with you. And the announcement that I want to share has to do with the fact that, um, like Daniel said, on the 14th, we're going to have our first kind of big tent gathering. It's going to be a time of, you know, it's going to be spiritual, but it's going to be fellowship. It's just going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but the night before that happens, we need as many of you as would like to be a part of it to come and help us to set up. We're looking to, to create a tent team, and uh, so there is uh, an information. I know that you can, uh, you know, kind of text tent to a number. I know that's all in the, you know, I don't see it coming up, but I know it's out there. And... Um, so if you'd like to be a part of the tent team, or you can also just show up, but we would love for you to sign up so that we know that we have enough people to make sure it gets done. But anyway, that'll be happening on the night before the 14th, so on the 13th on Tuesday evening. It would be great if you could be a part of that. Well, I just, uh, I don't know how many of you have heard, uh, but this last Thursday, my mom went to be with Jesus, and uh, many of you know this, and I have received information from you and, uh, you know, words of condolences and prayer and just real support. And I just wanted to just take a moment and just say thank you for those of you who knew that. Many of you knew my mom. My mom and dad came here many years ago uh, to actually be here for a couple of years and help me and our church go through a, a season of what we call restoration and uh, they were here to be the leaders of that, and my mom was here um, to, well, my dad was actually overseeing that, but my mom was here just in what I felt like was in support of my life and my wife and my children, and obviously she holds a, you know, but today she's free. Today she's free of Alzheimer's. She's free of being bedridden. She's in the presence of Jesus today. And she's in her right mind. And I think Jesus is as impressed with her as we all have been. That's what I think. I think he looks at her and says, wow, I outdid myself. <laughs> Amen. And so it's been sad, but I'm just really glad today that she's with Jesus. And uh, she lived well, and she loved well. And uh, so I, you know, anyway. So I'm preaching today, though, by the grace of God. And uh, I want to do that. I want to I turn the corner. In fact, let me just stop and pray, and uh, let's get right into the Word. You're here for the Word, right? You're here for Jesus. You are here to worship Him, love Him. But we need his word. We always need the word of the Lord. So let's just pray. Father, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for the time of worship that we had with you today, Lord. You're so good. Thank you, Lord. That's my favorite song, the goodness of God. That's, that's you, God. That's my life. That's who you are. All my life, all our life, you have been faithful. And Lord, we just thank you for that. Thank you for being so good. And always being God in us, through us, over us. And Lord, we need you now. We need your anointing right now upon everybody in this room and everyone watching online. We need to be anointed with fresh oil to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church today. That's us, Lord. And I pray that we would listen to you today like we're the only ones in the room. That it would be that real. And we just pray, God, for your strength in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. So we're in this series, and the title of the series is Do-It-Yourself Discipleship. And our key verse is found in John chapter 14, verse 12, where Jesus said, 
Most assuredly, I say to you, these things that you see me do, you shall do. And greater than these, because I go to my Father. Now listen to those words. What I'm going to do or what I've been doing, you're going to do. I need you to do it. It's kind of what Jesus is saying. It's not just a promise, but it is an instruction. I want you to do what I've been doing. And this is really important because discipleship isn't just about being, it's about doing. Now, I know a number of years ago there was this real push like, Christianity isn't about doing, it's about being. And I, I realize where that came from. And I know that that's an important aspect, that I am a believer in Jesus Christ. It's not what I do that makes me that. I am by faith in Jesus. But at the same time, your Christianity isn't just about being, it really is about doing. I don't care. It's the facts, Jack. Jesus said, these things you see me do, you shall do. I want you doing what I'm calling you to do. Not just sitting around like, I be a Christian. You do Christian. It's stuff you do. Amen. And so we were, we've been talking about this. Well, today, in this series, I want to talk because we're laying the groundwork, really, about what stepping into this idea of doing discipleship as Jesus has exemplified it for us. And we're laying some principled uh, ideas out there. And today I want to talk about abiding in the truth. And if we're going to be true disciples of Jesus Christ, we have to be abiding people, abiding in the truth. And the the scripture reference I want to come from is found in John chapter 8. And I want to begin reading at verse 23. If you have your Bibles, you can open there. I'm going to be in John chapter 8 today. And then we're going to look a little bit at John chapter 15. And if everybody gives me good amens, I might get you out of here so you can go see the end of the parade. No. Um, So anyway, uh, I want to begin in John chapter 8. And I want to start with verse 23. And it's important that you understand that Jesus is talking to in general, a bunch of Jews that were kind of crowding around him, listening to him, and many of them were Pharisees. And so this is, I want you to get a sense of what Jesus is saying here. He says in verse 23, uh, he says, and he said to them, you are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I'm not of this world. Therefore, I said to you, I don't know why, come on, Tim, come on, pull it in, Tim. I don't know why my, ear, my eyes are leaking. I don't know why. He says, I'm from above. You're from beneath. You are of this world. I'm not of this world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. You will die in your sins. That's tough. And they said to him, who are you? I can almost hear Jesus' exasperation. Just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I've been saying it from the very get-go. I have many things to say and to judge concerning you. But he who sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. I'm telling you the truth. And then, a little bit later on, it says in verse 30, I believe, uh, we pick up in verse 30, and he spoke these words, as he spoke these words, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those Jews that believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And then he goes on in verse 36, and he says, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So that's the reading of the word. Benjamin Franklin, one of our fathers of our nation, said, half a truth is often 
a great lie. That's what he said. So in other words, what he's saying is, if you leave out important information, you're really just kind of telling a lie. What we need is the whole truth and nothing but the truth, right? We face a crisis of truth in our times. And this is not original to our times. I think this has been going on for a long time. And we see this played out even in the Bible. We see it through the history of the nation of Israel. Isaiah spoke about it. In Isaiah chapter 59, verses 14 and 15, he says, Justice is turned back, and righteousness stands afar off. For truth has fallen in the streets, and equity cannot enter. So truth fails, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. You know what he's saying right there in those final words? He's like, if you ever want to try to live the truth, you make yourself vulnerable to a world that wants to believe the lie. Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 28, Jeremiah said, so you shall, the Lord said to him, he said, you shall say to them, this is a nation that does not obey the voice of the Lord their God, nor receive correction. Truth has perished. Isaiah said, truth has fallen in the streets. Jeremiah says, truth has perished and has been cut off from their mouth. No one can even tell the truth. Paul talks about the fact that mankind in general suppresses the truth by their wicked deeds. And he says in Romans chapter 1, verse 25, they exchange the truth of God for a lie, and they worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. We live in a world today that I think is asking, what is truth? They're asking, what is the truth? That's the wrong question. It's not what, it's who. Because truth is a person. Jesus is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, he was saying, I am the true or only way to God. I am the true life of God. So if Jesus is the truth, this means that everything that Jesus says is true. He said of himself that I am the faithful and true witness. In other words, what I say is the truth and nothing but the truth. It's the whole truth. What I say. I'm the faithful and the true witness. I'm the true. Amen? I know I'm preaching to the choir, but hang in there for a moment. Jesus embodied truth. He spoke truth so that we could live the truth. And if we're going to do what Jesus did, we're never going to get there unless we abide in the truth. If you want to do what Jesus has been doing, if you want to be a part of what Jesus is doing in the earth today, if you want to do the same things that Jesus is doing or has done, then we have to abide in the truth. So what's this word abide mean? Abide means to remain, to dwell, like as in living in a home. You dwell in a house, to live in it, to dwell in it, to continue in it. It carries the idea of endurance, like abiding is sticking with it. No matter what, you just stay there, you just go there, you don't run away from there, you don't forsake it, you don't turn away, you just keep going after it, you keep getting deeper. I don't care how many problems, how many struggles, how, how many temptations, how many times you've failed, you just keep going there. You remain there, you continue there, you stay there, you don't leave. There's no leaving in Christianity, like there's no crying in baseball. There's no leaving, you stick with it. It gets hard, it gets difficult, you mess up, things distract you, things discourage you, you get a little depressed. What do you do? You abide. 
You continue. You dwell there. You don't leave. You keep going. And if you're going to fall like the old song we used to sing, you fall on Jesus. If you mess up, you mess up on Jesus. Because he'll pick you up. And he'll keep you going. And he'll keep you in the game. Amen. So we just, we abide. And that's what it means. Because this idea of abiding is something too that you need to understand. It's something we do. It's what I have to do. I have to abide. I have to stay in the game. Jesus said, abide in my word. Abide in me. What is he saying? Stick with me. Stay with me. Don't leave me. Don't give up. You're not going to make it that way. You're not going to get through the difficulties of life that way. If you jump ship and quit and turn away, you got to abide. Amen. Amen. Fireworks going on up here. Explosions going on. Just yelling is all it is. So we need to make a, we need to abide, and abiding is making that, it's, it's a choice that you and I have to make in our life, and we choose, what does that mean? We choose to commit ourselves to staying in the truth. That's what disciples do. So I want to talk about this. I kind of want to break this down between a couple of different passages. What does it mean? What does abiding in the truth look like? Abiding in the truth, first of all, is when we make a commitment to abide in the word of Jesus. That we need to abide in the word. What did Jesus say in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32? He said to the Jews who believed him, they were starting to believe him. They were starting to, okay, you're saying stuff, and it, it makes it very clear. He was talking to Pharisees. He was talking to Jews. He was talking to people that weren't his disciples, and they started to believe him. It says it right there in the passage. And so he said to those who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples. And when you abide in my word as my disciples, you will begin to know the truth, and in that truth, there will be freedom. Listen, believing in Jesus doesn't mean you're a disciple of Jesus. That's the point that Jesus was saying right here. There's a lot of people that believe in Jesus. There's a lot of people that have this kind of affirming idea about Christ and about his message, but there is no abiding in his word. And what makes us a disciple is not that we believe in him. That was what Jesus was cautioning them against. They were starting to believe him. He said, if you believe me, then you got to stick with my word. You have to abide in my word. Amen. And he says, there you will find freedom. When sometimes we, uh, as as followers or as believers Jesus isn't looking just for followers he's looking for disciples and uh, sometimes we can be enamored with Christ but not fully committed to the truth of Christ therefore we're not free and freedom in life comes when we begin to make a commitment to the word of God that's where the freedom is that's where your liberty is so let's break it down because people just walk around and say, oh, the truth will set you free. Hallelujah, the truth will set you free. Well, that's partly the truth. But remember, half a lie, no, half a truth is a, is a whole lie. The truth, just saying that statement isn't the truth. Break it down. What did Jesus say? He said, if you abide in my word, Right? You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth just doesn't set free just because we say it. It's something that I have to do on the front end. I have to abide in the word of God. I've got to abide in God's word, whether I feel like it or not. I have to get into the word of God 
dwell in the Word of God, live in the Word of God, stay in the Word of God, make my home in the Word of God, and as I do that, then I will begin to know truth, and that word for know is experiential knowledge. I'll begin to increase in my knowledge of the truth, and when the truth gets on the inside of me, then freedom works its way out of me. I begin to walk in freedom because the truth is getting grounded in me because I'm abiding in the word of God. I just want, you know, a lot of us just want kind of like quick fixes in life. And listen, God can work a miracle in a moment, but oftentimes our Christianity is developed over a long period of time where we are going to be disciples of Jesus Christ, where we are going to abide in the Word of God, realizing that the more I give to this, the more truth gets on the inside of me, and the more freedom I begin to live out in my life. Christianity is not a bunch of quick fixes. You better buy into that right now. And God can work a miracle, but you got to stick with it. Amen. Is this doing anything for anybody? I know it's hot in here. I'm starting to sweat. I was crying before, and now I'm sweating. Listen, when you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you were freed from the penalty and the power of sin. Can I get a good amen out there? When you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, the penalty of sin no longer hung over your head and the power of sin no longer dominated your life. Right? He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And yet Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So I'm saved from the penalty of sin. I've been delivered from the power of sin. But listen Closely and and carefully to what I'm about to say. I don't want to be misunderstood. I'm not necessarily saved from the presence or the problems of sin around me. We have hang-ups, habits, hurts in our lives that are a result of sin and rebellion and brokenness. Things that have happened in our lives, things that have happened to our lives that can become... Paul called them strongholds in our mind. And when I have a stronghold that becomes a a system of belief underneath, underneath the surface of my life, that even though I'm delivered from the penalty and the power of sin, I still have some problems with sin issues, hurts, habits, hang-ups, if you will, that I'm constantly having to take captive and bring it under the subjection of Jesus Christ. And the process of experiencing that liberation, this is why Paul said, stand fast in the liberty in which you have been made free. Stand fast in it. Get your freedom all the way through your life. Get your freedom. How do you do that? You abide in the word of God. You stick with the word of God. You, this is how you abide in the truth. You abide in the foundation of truth, which is the word of God. And the more that you abide there, the more that you and I give ourselves to it, the more truth gets on the inside of me. And when truth gets on the inside of me, victory starts happening through me. And one problem after another problem, one demon after another demon, one stronghold after, they just begin dropping in your life. And I'm 58 years old, and I still got things dropping. I've been at this a long time, and things are still dropping. I'm still having to work with things. You're not alone. You're not the only one. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, I'm with you. Go ahead and just tell them that. I'm with you. Now, I want to I read something to you. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul says to Timothy, he says, but you continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from your childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God 
may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. To abide in the word of God means you need to make it a habit of your everyday life. Paul said to Timothy, continue in this like you have been since the day you were a child. Make it a habit. Listen, the more that you read the Bible consistently, the more you'll start thinking biblically, and the more you'll start to change continuously. But it's got to be a habit in your life. You got to dwell there, right? You got to stay there. But to make it a habit in your life, you need to honor the Word of God. Remember what he said? He said that these are the holy scriptures. This is not just another book. This is the book, the one. And these are holy words. These are words set apart. These are life-giving words. You have to look at them as that. What what is the word? Uh, we, We need to honor the word of God. What does that mean? We elevate it. We esteem it. We give it value in our life. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 13 says that he who despises the word will be destroyed, but the one who fears the commandment will be rewarded. The person who treats the word of God as, you know, that's just, you know, I don't really need to go there. I'll get my sermon on Sunday. If that's the way you look at the word of God, you're only hurting yourself. Look at those words. The person who despises it destroys themselves. We have to hold it up in a special place in our life. But he said those who fear the commandment of the Lord. Let's talk about that for just a second. What is the fear of the Lord? God doesn't want us to walk around being afraid of him. But he wants us to walk around being afraid to live without him. I can't live without the Lord. I don't want to know what life would be like without God. I don't want to learn the hard way. I want to learn life God's way. That's the true fear of the Lord, having a fear of God's commandments and of his words so that you're saying to, my, to yourself, I don't want to keep making these choices that I've been making, falling into these pits. I'm hating these pits. I want out of these pits. Well, make the word of God holy in your life. Amen. Come on. I know you know all this stuff already. I'm just reminding you. Here's another thing you need to know about the truth, though, getting it in. You need to make it a habit. It needs to be honored. But here's what you need to know. It's probably going to hurt at first. It's like the Word of God is like pouring medicine into an open wound. It will heal you, but it's going to sting. Paul says right here, he says, it is profitable for reproof, for correction, When you get the truth, the first thing you have to realize is if this is the truth, then I'm not the truth. We live in a culture that says, speak your truth. Hold on. That may be your experience. That may be your opinion. That's not the truth. You speak the truth, you speak God's word. That may be your testimony, that may be an experience that you had in your life, that may be your opinion, but that you listen, you can't be true and God be true at the same time. God is true, let every man be a liar. In other words, there is no one that can compare to him in truth. And we all have to come to that. And so, this is going to hurt. This is going to hurt a little bit. Now, obviously, I think sometimes Christians have been guilty of being hurtful, Wielding the Bible. The Bible's a hammer, but it didn't say go around beating people on the head with it, right? The Lord never told us to do that. But if the truth goes forth, sometimes it will sting. It it won't feel good. But it's okay because that's part of the process. It stings before it gets you well. But it has to because it's exposing lies that you think are true. And so we all have these things on the inside of us. But anyway, the church has been guilty of that. Someone said one time that there can be no truth without love, but there can be no love without truth. And that's really, that's really true. <laughs> because 
churches today have the pendulum has swung a lot. We don't want to be so offensive, so we only talk about love, and we don't really hit the nail on the head sometimes with issues that we need to talk about. Like, I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you read the Bible, like in the New Testament, Paul, I mean, he is, he is hitting the nail on the head. But he obviously speaks the truth in love. He said, speak the truth in love. And so it's, the truth is not always going to feel good. It's going to hurt at first sometimes. But here's the final thing that I want to say out of this passage. It'll heal you. He said, it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, so that the man of God could be thoroughly equipped. And the word equipped literally means It's a medical term, meaning to reset the bone. See, our lives are all broken when we come to Jesus. And as we give ourselves to the truth of God's word, the Lord just kind of, ow, right? I've never had a broken bone. God, please, keep me. Those of you who know, know better than what I'm even saying right now. But when that bone heals in the place of brokenness, it's stronger than it was before it was broken. And that's what God does. He heals. He strengthens you in that place of brokenness. In that worst place, that place that you think is the most broken part of you, the truth of God's word getting on the inside of you will restore you and make you stronger in that place of brokenness. Hallelujah. Come on. Amen. Well, that's point number one. Way too long. We got to make this parade. Okay. Number two, if I'm going to abide in the truth, we must, we've, got to com- we've got to commune with the presence of Jesus. I want to turn to John chapter 15, verse 1. Jesus said, watch it, I am the true vine my father is the vine dresser right there's the truth i'm the true vine i'm the only vine right and then he goes on in verses four and five and he says abide in me and i in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me i am in uh I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Say those words with me. For without me you can do nothing. Do you really believe that? Because you got to believe that. Those are the words of Jesus. And he says, and he goes on in verse 7, he says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. As the vine, and Jesus is the vine, he is our source of life. He is our supply, right? He is the one who strengthens our life. He is the one who gives us stability in the tough times and in the storms of life. When we stay connected to him, when we abide in him, when we commune with Jesus, we are in communion with the Lord. See, Christianity, let me just say, Christianity is not about holding right beliefs or adopting right behaviors. Christianity is about a right relationship. Behaviors... And beliefs are very important. Don't get me wrong. When you and I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, we, were, we became united together with the Lord. Right? And through faith, we became children of God. And we were justified. And we were made righteous. But we don't merely have union with God. We have communion with God. And so when Jesus is talking about abiding in him as the true vine, I really think that this is even going deeper than just 
reading God's word, he's saying, your very being, you can't live without me. Commune with me. Stay connected to me. Keep this relationship strong in me. Stay with me. Don't try to live life outside of me or apart from me. But abide in me. I'm the vine. And there's no hope for you. There's no life that can flow into your life or of my life into yours if you disconnect from me emotionally, mentally. Amen. You guys are getting quiet. Parade starting. There's a promise of this communion with him. He says, just like if we abide in his word, there's freedom. If we abide in his presence, there's fruitfulness. You want to bear fruit? You need to stay close to Jesus. You want the life-giving flow of the fruit of the Spirit? You know what the fruit of the Spirit is? It's the character of Jesus that's to be manifest through our life. So when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, we're not talking about, oh, I got the fruit of the Spirit, look how spiritual I am. The fruit of the Spirit is nothing less than the character of Jesus being lived out of your life. And if I want that to be a life flow through me, if I want to have all of the character of Christ alive in my life, I need to stay connected to Jesus in communion, in relationship with him. And when I do, then the life of Jesus begins to flow through me. I saw an example of this by um, Francis Chan one time. And I remembered, and I was... Standing right there, and I was like, oh, I should go break off a limb. So he was, he was teaching about the abiding in the vine, and I remember that. And he held, up, he held up a limb like this, and I just went and broke this off. I disconnected this from the vine. And it still looks pretty good right now. Give it a few hours, and you'll begin to see that the life is gone. Why? Because the connection is gone. Because it's no longer abiding in the vine. But see, this is how sometimes we live our lives. We go to church like this sometimes. We might go through whole seasons like this sometimes. And I'm not saying you've lost your salvation, but try to see this as a spiritual analogy. That sometimes we're out here and we come to church and we may come up and we get in the prayer line and we say, you know, I just feel so lifeless and I just want you to gather around me and pray for me. And so we gather around you and pray for you and you leave like this. Or we cast the devil out of you. We can pray, you can, you can make all these great declarations, but what good is that if you aren't abiding in the vine? There'll be no fruit. Fruit won't grow, fruit won't be on display through our lives. We can go through life just kind of living like this. And, and uh, Francis even talked about, you know, you can, you can even try to tape fruit to you. You know, like, look, look at my fruit, but it's not real, it's not alive. And sometimes we are doing that. We're, we're trying to dress it up when what we need to be is abiding in the vine. Staying in communion in the presence of Jesus. Staying in relationship with Him. Drawing close to Him. Loving Him. Amen. He's the true vine. He's the truth. And there's no life outside of Christ. And there's no fruit of Christ outside of us staying in Him. Amen. So if we're going to abide in the truth, we need to stay connected to the vine. Ne never get it wrong. He's the vine, you're the branch. You're not the vine. You can't help yourself in, in and of yourself. You can't supply everything that you need. And 
Furthermore, I'm not your vine. Your wife or your husband's not your vine. Daniel's not your vine. They can help you polish your fruit, but they're not your vine. Amen. Jesus is the vine. You're the branch. There's no hope outside of him. Amen. One final thought that I want to share with you guys here today about abiding in the truth. Abiding in the truth is also this idea of complying with the commands of Jesus. Committing to the words of Jesus. Staying in the word of God. Communing with the presence of Jesus. And then complying or obeying, if you will. It didn't fit my alliteration, so. But obeying the commands of Jesus. And it goes on in John chapter 15, verses 9, 10, and 11. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. How many of you thank God that Jesus loves you? You glad Jesus loves you? Now listen to what he says. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. He just said, abide in my love. As the Father has loved me, I love you. And then he says, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you, that your joy may be remain in you, and that your joy may be full. God loves you, right? Jesus loves you. And it's great to sing songs about the love of Jesus. And sometimes that helps us and reaffirms us that the Lord loves us. But the proof of his love for you is not in singing, Jesus loves me. It's in the fact that he obeyed the Father to go all the way to the point of death so that you could be redeemed, saved, and made new. He obeyed the Father's will. That's how he loved you. That's how he loved God. Through obedience. So Jesus turns around and says, well, here, if you're going to abide in my love, here's how you do it. Obey me. That's how you abide in my love. That's how you display your love for me like I did for my father. I did what he wanted me to do. I went where he wanted me to go. I said what he wanted me to say. I touched who he wanted me to touch. I did everything he told me to do. That's how I loved him. So, as my disciples who abide in my word, who abide in me as the true vine, abide in my love. What's that mean? Obey me. That's weird. I never heard that in a song we sang. <laughs> I obey you, Lord. That hasn't been, I don't think that line is in a song. I haven't heard it. Amen. We love the Lord. It's manifest. Our love for God is manifest in our obedience to him. 1 John chapter 3, verse 24 says, Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. See, the indwelling Spirit's goal in our life is to manifest outwardly giving evidence to a relationship that we have with God. So what he wants to do is live through our obedience. And he will, but we have to obey. 
And here's the promise that comes. See, there's a promise with abiding in the word is freedom. The promise of abiding in the presence of Jesus is fruitfulness. The promise of abiding in his love or obeying him is fullness of joy. Jesus said, I said these things to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. There is no greater fullness of joy in life than to know you are doing what Jesus has called you to do. That you're where he wants you to be. Right? That's where joy is. It's in obeying the Lord. Doing what he wants you to do. And the Lord may, maybe is calling you to a, a situation that is difficult. See, don't get, it, don't get it backwards. It may be what the Lord is calling you to, may be in, you may be in over your head, as like all of us feel like. I don't know what I'm doing here. Why did I say yes to this? Because the Lord called you to it. You know, well, this is hard. How can I be happy? He doesn't care about you being happy. He wants you to have joy. And the way that we have joy is when we obey him and do what he wants us to do and go where he wants us to go and serve and love and pour ourselves out to whomever he is pathway because that's his will. That's how we abide in him. And he says, I'm telling you this so that you will have full joy in your life like I've had it. How I many you know when Jesus left here, he wasn't like, going out cowardly and depressed and melancholy. He went out victoriously and full of joy because he did everything that the Lord told him to do. And disciples, listen, disciples, men and women, disciples of Jesus, you can have joy when you obey the Lord. So I obey what his word tells me. I comply with his commands. I start doing what he says in his word. Stop making excuses for, I, for why I don't do them. And I start doing them. Because that's love. That's abiding in his love. But also, I respond to his calling. Is God calling you? To something he certainly is calling you to himself first of all if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today would be a great day to give your heart to Jesus because he's calling you right now at this very moment through my words as simple as they are the Lord's calling out maybe you're watching online the Lord is calling out to know him to know life to be freed from your sin and to step in newness of life. Amen. Give your life to Jesus. He's got a call on your life. First of all, to know him. And then to serve him. Amen. Let's all stand together. Can I have the prayer team come up? I know we have tables. We may want to move those off to the side. But if we have prayer teams, I'd like for them to come up. Do you have something? Okay, uh, we need to get a microphone. I was supposed to share that before, but it went all so fast. Okay. So, but listening to the word, um, I really have to obey. I honestly, I did not really plan to come today, but the Lord woke me up and said, I want you to go and to share that. And in the obedience to the Lord, and it just, it's just so evident what Pastor shared. And I just, before I leave, I have to obey. A couple weeks ago, the Lord, the Lord said, bring your house in order. And this is not only for us. It, I think it's for the whole nation. Bring your house in order. I will sweep through your homes and through the country. And I will point out to you what's not pleasing to me. So make sure, bring your house in order. And then 
He said, the spirit of truth will fall. The spirit of truth will fall not only on the land, but our homes and our churches. What's hidden will be exposed. What's done in the dark will come to the light. Nothing will be hidden anymore. There will be new beginnings and forgiveness will flow. Because of that, unity will come forth in the country and privately. Brotherhood and sisterhood becomes a new meaning. With that spirit of truth, many tears will be shed. Evilness will be exposed and repentance will flow. Amen. Praise God. Yes, amen. Thank you, Sabine. Today we are 27 years in this country when we immigrated. Oh, really? Wow. 27 years ago they immigrated here? Praise God. Better nation for it. Amen. Thank you for sharing the word. Let's just pray for a second here. If you would like prayer, I, you know, I invite you even now to come and make your way forward if you want prayer for anything. I just want to pray. When I'm done praying, you're dismissed. And uh, if you want prayer, you can come forward. Lord, we just want to thank you, Jesus, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. You said no one comes to the Father except through me. I pray, Lord, that today you will bring many to the Father through you, Jesus, that you would reveal that you are the way, the only way, the true way, and you are the true life. And there is no life outside of you. Lord, only you can convince that by your Holy Spirit in every one of us. And I pray for all of us, God, that we would be abiders in the truth, that we would, that we would begin to honor your word in our life like we've never honored it before, and that it would begin to Heal us, even though it may at first kind of hurt, we know that there's a healing power in it. And so I pray, God, that we would, Jesus, that you would be our vine every day, that if we've been plugging into anything else, forgive us of that, God. We repent of that right now, and we turn back to you, Lord Jesus. You're the only one who can supply everything, day by day, hour by hour, being connected to you. And Lord, I pray that our love for you would be manifest in our obedience to your word and your ways. God, that we would stop making excuses and start obeying you in Jesus' name. Father, touch every life here today as we go our separate ways. God, give us a great day. Help us to be protected if we go to the parade or whatever we're doing. God, I pray your blessing upon everybody here today in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen and amen. If you want prayer, you can come this way. Otherwise, God bless.